Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Um, let me pray and then we will keep going. So, Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for what you will reveal to us today. Father, we pray for revelation. We pray for insight. Um, we pray for application from your word. So, Father, we give this time to you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All righty. So, apologies for the sniffles today. My allergies are acting up, but we'll get through. So, I'm going to jump into First Samuel 6. Uh, let me read this to you, and then we will take a look into it. So, uh, the heading is the ark returned to Israel, and verse one starts with when the ark of the Lord had been in Philistine territory seven months, the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners and said, "What shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us how we should send it back to its place." They answered, "If you return the ark of the God of Israel, do not send it back to him without a gift." By all means, send a guilt offering to him. Then you will be healed, and you will know by his hand why his hand has not been lifted from you. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Philistines asked, what guilt offering shall we send to him? They replied, five gold tumors and five gold rats, according to the number of the Philistine rulers, because the same plague has struck both you and your rulers. Make models of the tumors and of the rats that are destroying the country and give glory to Israel's God. Perhaps he will lift his hands from you and your gods and your land. Why do you harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh did when Israel's God dealt harshly with them? Did they not send the Israelites out so they could go on their own way? Now they get a cart ready, a new cart ready with two cows that have calved and have never been yoked. Hits the cows to the cart, but take the calves away and pen them up. And we'll come back to that in a little bit. Take the ark of the Lord and put it on the cart and in a chest, in a chest beside it, put the gold objects you are sending back to him as a guilt offering. Send it on its way. And but keep watching it. If it goes up to its own territory towards Beth Shemesh, then the Lord has brought this great disaster on us. But if it does not, then we will know that it was not his hand that struck us, but that it happened to us by chance. So they did this. They took two cows and hitched them to the cart and penned up their calves. They placed the ark of the Lord on the cart and along with it, the chest containing the gold rats and the models of the tumors. Then the cows went straight up toward Beth Shemesh, keeping on the road and lowing all the way. They did not turn to the right or to the left. The rulers of the our Philistines followed them as far as the border of Beth Shemesh. Now the, now the people of Beth Shemesh were harvesting their wheat in the valley, 
And when they looked up and saw the ark, they rejoiced at the sight. The cart came to the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh, and there it stopped beside a large rock. The people chopped up the wood of the cart and sacrificed the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. The Levites took down the ark of the Lord together with the chest containing the gold objects and placed them on the large rock. On that day, the people of Beth Shemesh offered burnt offerings and made sacrifices to the Lord. The five rulers of the Philistines saw all this and then returned that day, that same day, to Ekron. Um, these are the gold tumors the Philistines sent as a guilt offering to the Lord, one each for Ashdod, uh, Gaza, Ashkelon, Gath, and Ekron. And the number of the gold rats was according to the number of the Philistine towns belonging to the five rulers, the fortified towns with their country villages. The large rock in which the Levites set the Ark of the Lord is a witness to this day in the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh. But God struck down some of the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh, putting 70 of them to death because they looked into the Ark of the Lord. The people mourned because of the heavy blow the Lord had dealt them. And the people of Beth Shemesh asked, who can stand in the presence of the Lord, this holy God? To whom will the ark go up from here? So they sent messengers to the people of Kiriath-Jerim, saying, the Philistines have returned the ark of the Lord. Come down and take it up to your town. All right. So a lot of stuff going on here. Um, let's just do a quick summary of how we got here. So let me just pull up my notes here. Okay, so, and we're in 1 Samuel 6. In 1 Samuel 4, um, the Israelites are defeated by the Philistines and they lose the Ark of the Covenant due to their disobedience. Um, this leads to the death of Eli's sons, the capture of the Ark, 1 Samuel 5, the Philistines capture the ark. And, of course, there's a lot of um, plagues are afflicted on them. And so here we are in 1 Samuel 6. Um, just a few few notes about the Philistines. Um, so, one, we know they were polytheistic, right? So they, they were used to worshipping multi-gods. So... The God of the Israelites, they're not seeing God as a sovereign God at this time. They're just seeing the God of the Israelites as another God at this point. Okay. Um, and we know that they'd put the ark um, right, they'd put it by their, um, the temple of their God, Dagon. Okay. So some of the cultural things we know about them. Um, they were known for their advanced metalworking skills, uh, weaponry, war was, the, was their business. Um, and they were also skilled in various forms of art and craftsmanship. So just a few things about them. So let's jump in. So I'm kind of the first part, I'm going to kind of go verse by verse. And then we'll take a few sections together. So as we look into... Around verse 2, it says, what shall we do with the ark of the Lord? So they've captured this thing. 
but they've realized um, in the seven-month period, there's some bad stuff happening to us. So they're experiencing tumors and um, plagues, all kinds of stuff. And so they've been reluctant to give up this ark because it was a trophy, right? So they have this great prize they've won from the Israelites. But now they're realizing, um, we think we need to send this thing back because it's causing us all kinds of problems. So the Philistines have enough sense to know that they've offended the Lord God, but they're still not recognizing his sovereignty, right, and his power over them. So they devise this plan, and they create these golden tumors of all things, right? Sounds terrific. And five golden rats. And they're going to send these back to the Israelites. Um, so let me just close my door here because... There's a beeping sound that might drive us nuts. Okay. So a little bit about these um, tumors. So some some scholars think that it's potentially um, the bubonic plague that was carried by rats. So hence the tumors and the death and destruction that they were experiencing. Now, Around, hold on, guys. I'm just going to go silence that sound real quick so that we don't go nuts with the beeping. Give me one second. I apologize. I'm at the office and I had to silence the beeping sound. So, Victor, if you edit this, cut that section out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So, where were we? Okay. So, around verse five, it says, uh, let me just scroll down here. They replied, um, make models of the tumors and give glory to Israel's God. So sometimes I think, you know, the Philistines, yes, Philistines are acknowledging God's judgment, right? And that is a way to give God glory is by acknowledging um, his judgment. But sometimes I think we fail to give God glory and we ignore his judgment or write it off as bad luck. And I think that is a big mistake because not everything will come, we'll go into that a little more. Um, so in verse five, it goes, perhaps he will lift his hand from you and your gods and your land. So these wise people are saying, hey, remember what happened? Um, in Israel and in Egypt, you know, God's hand is on his people. So um, they are recognizing that God is powerful 
but they're only seeing him as another God and not as the sovereign God. Right, so they are acknowledging God's power, but yet failing to fully submit to it. Now, that's a slippery slope, right? So the Philistines fail to be humble, and they are failing to accept God's sovereignty and are not recognizing that repentance is needed to experience forgiveness. And so how do we get ourselves in this situation, right? The same situation as they're in. Um, sometimes we, we acknowledge God's power, but yet we don't fully submit to him. Why? Because we enjoy the sin, right, that we're holding on to. It's beneficial or pleasant. Um, sometimes we'll know that we're in that situation. Why? Because the Holy Spirit makes us uncomfortable, right? You feel a sense of guilt. Uh, maybe you feel a sense that something is missing in your life, right? These are all signs that we are not fully submitting to God's sovereignty, right, and his desires for our life. So let's not be like the Philistines, right? We should not only recognize God's power, but submit to it. All right. Everyone's doing good? All right, so a little application here. It isn't smart to harden our hearts against the Lord, right? Because this cause and effect that comes out of stepping out of the place of God's blessing. Right? When we walk in his ways in obedience and humility, we experience his blessing. But the effect of not being in that place is, right, the cause the things that, the negative things we experience. All right, so let's take a look at verses uh, seven through nine. So this is the account of these cows, right? So then uh, verse seven says, get a new cart ready with two cows um, that have calved. Now, why does this matter? So think about a mother and her kids, right? Does a mother want to be separated from the Children, no. And so the Philistines are unsure that this is God's doing still, so they want to devise a test to prove it. So they get two cows that have calves, so obviously they have maternal instincts. Um, they've never been yoked, right? So they've never pulled a cart before. It's not a natural thing for, for them to do. And they say, hitch up the cows, you know, put the ark on it, put the gold objects next to it, and let's watch what the cows do. Now, you would think the cows would want to go back towards the calves, but if this is God and God's in it, then they'll, the cart will go towards the Israelites. So a pretty smart test, actually, if you think about it. So they send the cart out, and what does it do? Right, it heads towards Bashamesh and keeps going. And it actually says the cows don't look to the left or to the right. Now, I think there's something to be learned from that statement as well. Right, sometimes we need to be laser focused on what God wants for us without looking to the left or to the right. I think sometimes we're easily distracted by the things of the world, right? Sometimes God is telling us to do something, we hear his voice, we know what it is, but we're like, well, I'm going to go over here, I'm going to go over there, 
But God said, hey, come to me and I'll help you do this. But so the experiment works, you know, they test and they recognize that these plagues were brought on by the Lord God of Israel. Now, let me scroll down in my notes here. Okay, so in some ways, think about um, the curiosity of the Philistines, right? So they were smart enough not to look in the ark. So they put the ark on the cart and they put these objects that they're going to offer up um, to the God of Israel next to the next to the ark and they send it over. Now, their curiosity would have led to what? If they had looked into the ark, most likely they would have died, right? Because we, if we look at historical accounts of the ark and people touching it and how it has to be handled, yeah, we know there's the poles that need to be inserted through the rings. The Levites were the ones that typically would handle the ark. And so I think God is giving them an opportunity here to turn from their sin by going, listen, I'm not going to kill you because of the way you picked up the ark and put it on the um, cart. They were smart enough not to look into it because they were still alive. They put the articles next to it, which tells us they didn't open the ark itself. Um, we have this natural curiosity, right, that leads to sin. And I can think of another time where two people were very curious about the things of God and chose to ignore his sovereignty and his divine power. Remember back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, right? There was uh, all these fantastic things that God had given them, and he said, don't eat from this one tree. But yet they chose to ignore his, his commands. They chose to be disobedient, you know, and they wanted something that was more than they could handle. And so we see the same level of curiosity here, and we know that that level of curiosity leads to destruction, right? when we become selfish, when we when it's all about us. So in some way, God is showing the Philistines here. Um, he gave them a break. Um, they didn't do certain things, which we're not sure why they did or didn't do that. But we see how as this ark goes back to um, this town of Beth Shemesh, our things start to go all right again. Okay, so... Uh, let me go on a little bit. Okay, so one of the one of the statements I think the Philistines were making: we want to prove that this was God's hand, or if it just happened by chance, the plagues. Right. So this is this was the main reason for their test. So if it happened by chance. I think the Philistines were going to go, well, in that case, well, let's keep this ark as a trophy and, you know, place it outside one of our temples. But if it is God's hand, then we need to get rid of this thing. So what is the big um, failure of the Philistines here? Again, they are trying to prove something, the cause and effect, right? So something happened, what's the cause and what's the effect? 
and they are hoping that they can kind of circumvent the the circumstance here, and they're not really recognizing who God is, and so there's no humility, there's no repentance, right? And these are things that God requires from us. So we we can see that they are not willing to recognize who God is, and therefore their situation is not going to change. Okay. Now we live in a cause and effect world, and I think there's some things we just need to talk about. So some things happen by chance, right? Other things are possibly from God, but not every time. Right, so we have to realize that some things are just a result of poor decisions. Other things might have meaning from God, but not everything is because of God's judgment or God's hand on you, right? Some things are just because we're dumb <laughs> and we choose to do dumb things. Right? So we have to recognize that there's two two levels of cause and effect. There's things that are from God and there's other things that are just because we caused it or we are suffering the um, repercussions or the results of poor decisions we made. Okay. Um, let's go down to 1 Samuel 6, 10 through 12. Okay, so this is where the cows went straight up towards Beth Shemesh. And we know that under normal circumstances, they wouldn't have done that, right? First of all, they're not used to a yoke. They've never been harnessed before. They should have headed back to the Philistine um, town where the calves were. But God didn't leave this up to chance. God took control of the situation. They headed directly to where they had to go. And we know that this is a miracle, right? Because God did it. So God shows his power to both groups. The Israelites are getting the ark back in a miraculous way, but they recognize that this is the ark of the Lord God they worship, but the Philistines do not. Okay, so if we go on to 13 through 15. Um, so uh, around verse... 13, um, yeah, verse 13 says they rejoiced at the sight. So something was happening, right? They rejoiced that they were getting back the ark, which was a rep representation of God's presence, right? There were some things in there, um, you know, Ten Commandments, whichever artifacts, but this let them know that their God was alive. Now, for some people, they need those physical things to see it, like obviously these guys. But we are fortunate that we don't live in a time where we need to see an ark, right? Right. We live in a time where, because of what Jesus has done, you know, we have... We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? God lives in us through what Jesus has done by the power of the Holy Spirit. But for these Israelites, um, for them, this was a physical manifestation that God was there, right? This is a different time to, we, to what we have now. 
And in some ways to them, it was as if the Lord had risen from the dead, which he, he hadn't died, but they had lost the ark, they had lost the representation of who God was. Okay. Now, they do some things right, right? They take the wood of the the cart and they offer a, an offering which was required at the time according to God's um, instruction to them under the Mosaic law, right? Now, uh, there's a few things to notice here. So, uh, one, the cows and carts were expensive, right? But yet they knew they had to sacrifice um, these objects, right? Now, the other thing you'll notice is they offered female animals to the Lord, which was actually forbidden under the Levitical instruction, right? And the second thing they did wrong was they made a burnt offering to the Lord away from the tabernacle, which violated a Deuteron uh, Deuteronomy 12. So, but God is a God of grace and mercy, right? God knew their hearts and the remarkable, remarkable circumstances, and yet God knew that their intent was to honor him, even though they chose to do things outside of the normal way they were supposed to do it. So this just shows us that God is a God of grace and love, and he was honoring the things they were doing, even though they weren't done in a Levitical way. Okay, so they call on the Levites to handle the ark. The ark had to be handled in a certain way by the priest. And so verse 16, we see something that tells us a story. The five rulers of the Philistines saw all this and returned the same day to Ekron. So clearly they were watching what was going down. They were watching to see, you know, was this really a God of power that was doing this? And their response is to leave and go back to their town. Why? Because they were expecting, okay, I guess the, the tumors and the disease and suffering will probably stop now. So for them, it's a cause and effect. It's not a recognition of the sovereignty and power of God, right? So they are not in a place as the Israelites are where they are actually worshiping this God. They're just choosing to go home. So we see that the Philistines um, are not really, they don't have a full understanding of who God is and are not willing to submit to the one true God. They're still choosing to worship their multiple gods. Um, yeah, and unfortunately, the biblical record doesn't say much else other than um, they left, you know, even though they saw God's hand at work. Okay, so then we are not sure if they saw what happened in this next part or not, but um, God strikes down some of the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh, in fact, 70 of them because they looked into the ark. Now, that was forbidden. And so the people mourn because of the heavy blow that God deals to them. Um, now, they ask a question, you know, where shall we send the ark of the Lord? Now, this is interesting because, because of their disobedience, they suffer quite a huge loss, right? 
And so they realize that they are not, you know, they, they make the statement, who is able to stand before this holy God? So they know that God is holy. They know that their disrespect had consequences, which was death. And so they go, well, who is able to stand in front of this God? And so obviously we can't, right? We failed to do this correctly. So instead of changing their ways and living in a way that was honoring and respectful, they choose to send the ark away. So I feel like they had two choices. You know, actually learn from the situation and grow, right? Or put a distance between themselves and the ark, and in some ways saying, let's put some distance between us and God, because it's there's too much cost for us to be right and holy with God, right? Um, the holiness of God is actually a burden to us, therefore we're going to send it away. And so I think that's another thing we can learn is, you know, God's presence is holy. Um, we have to be able to recognize God's power and sovereignty and rep and respond in humility and repentance when necessary and actually grow in this situation. Or we can ignore it like these guys did and send it away and actually create a separation, which is not what God wants, right? God wants to be close to us. He wants to be um, in relationship with us. So we are basically out of town out of time, not down. <laughs> We're still here. So let's just summarize really quick. So God's presence is holy, right? Uh, we are really blessed that we don't have to um, have a tabernacle or an ark, right? We have Jesus in us. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have God's word. We can learn from the Philistines, from the Israelites. And so we have all these things right in front of us. Um, God is calling us to live correctly, right, in a holy way, uh, with no um, with no substitutes, no um, no shortcuts, right? We can't just take the Bible and God's word and send it to another town because we don't want to live that way, right? We need to respect and honor the things that God's calling, the way that God's calling us to live. Why? Because there's cause and effect, right? Some things are just because we make dumb decisions. Other things are because we are breaking God's rules and living outside of the way he wants for us. So poor decisions lead to negative results. And then ultimately, we have to recognize that there's only one true sovereign God, right? Um, that same God that the Israelites worship is the same God we worship today. God of power, you know, who overcomes all other gods and all other fake gods that are out there. So I hope you have enjoyed this journey through 1 Samuel 6, which has been quite um Quite an interesting experience. Um, let's pray, and then we will get you into your day. So thank you guys for being here for 1 Samuel 6. But let's pray. Father, we thank you for um, the lessons we can learn from your word. We thank you that um, we don't have to make the same mistakes that were made in the past, that we have... Um, your word, that we have your Holy Spirit, that 
um, you inspire us, that you challenge us. Father, I pray that we would stay close to you, that we would recognize your reverence, your sovereignty and your power, that we would not need to test you in the way that the Philistines did. And as you tested the Israelites, Father, we pray that we would draw close to you, that we would learn from our mistakes, that we would um, do everything possible, Father, to be in relationship with you. Father, I pray for each one today that we would um, take away something from your word today and that we would um, act on that um, in our relationships, in, in the things we do, the places we work, Father, that we would honor you. So, Father, we pray for each one. We thank you for what you're teaching us, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in.